excited to welcome you to today's conversation. Today we have our first ever power couple duo, Chad and Julie Johnson. Chad is the kids pastor and director at Hope Church Memphis, and Julie is a licensed clinical social worker who is currently serving as the district social worker for Carryville Schools. Okay, so here's why I am crazy excited about this conversation. Chad and Julie have navigated this past year on literally all fronts, from parents to small children, to virtual school, to marriage, and walking through some heavy loss along the way. And today they share their story, they get honest, insightful, challenging, and insanely encouraging on how we can lean in to loss. So let's get to it and meet Chad and Julie Johnson in the green chair. Hey guys. Hi. Hey. This is fun. <laughs> I have been so excited to have you guys in this this chair, chairs. I guess you're in two of them and have this conversation. Yeah. Julie, Julie, I feel like you're less excited about this. <laughs> the chairs are far more comfortable than I anticipated. Yes. Oh, really? Good. Yes, That's well good. done. So you're comfortable in the chair. <laughs> so I'm relaxed. Uh, literally, my text message to y'all was like, Julie's going to hate me, but I really want you guys to, to come on Green Chair and share your story. Okay, so I know some people may be familiar with you, but I want you kind of to tell us a little bit about yourselves, how long you've been the Hope for Kids Child, Children's Director mm-hmm. at, for how long now? Mm-hmm. So, gosh, seven, eight years. That's uh, a long time. Yeah, no, it's it's equally, I'm, I'm rounding the corner as long as I was in junior high ministry, which is fascinating. So I've been here wow. for, at Hope for roughly 15 years. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And... Congratulations, you Thank just graduated you. seminary. I did, I did. Well, the ceremony hasn't happened yet, but I yeah. hit enter on my last paper and it's done. It's done. Yeah, you're done, <laughs> yeah. you're done. And then Julie, what are you doing? I am currently the district social worker at Collierville okay. Schools. And so it's a brand new position that they created okay. at the beginning of this school year. So transitioned into that and have just been navigating this year in a new job, new <sighs> Pandemic for everybody. Yeah. It's all been and new for all of us. Completely new school year too. I mean, mm-hmm. you transitioned in the middle of a, a pandemic, correct? Yes. Like when everybody was, they were in person when you transitioned, or not yet? No, they had oh, not wow. started. Um, I started right at the beginning of the school year, and so oh, wow. they were transitioning back to in-person hybrid type schedule. <laughs> she literally came to me. I'm washing dishes, and she goes, "Hey, I have an idea." And I said, "Yeah." She goes, uh, "How crazy would it be if I changed jobs in the middle of COVID?" I said, "No crazier than COVID." <laughs> So she did it. Why not? Why not? Why not do that? Tommy did that as well. So it's kind of like, why not? We're all in the crazy train together. Yeah, let's do this. Um, Okay, so I I told everybody, but one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you guys in this chair is I feel like it's rare that people can speak to like all, like everybody Mm -hmm. listening at some sort of stage. And I feel like you guys have really, you can speak to us about navigating marriage during a uh, pandemic and a crazy whirlwind of a year. Uh, Parenting two small children. How old are your kids? Three and five. So three-year-old. Three and seven. No, he'll be seven in June. Yeah. So you're navigating the crazy whirlwind, schools, (laughs) virtual, in-person schools. You're navigating that, uh, especially you Mm -hmm. doing doing a lot of that. And you've navigated some loss. Mm -hmm. And so I really want us to kind of dive into your story as a whole, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I really would love for you just to kind of start through, um, I'd love to start some with your dad and your uncle. Just kind of walk us through your journey, um, specifically of loss, because Mm -hmm. I think we're all, I can't stop having conversations with people about mm-hmm. loss. I can't stop having conversations with people about, um, number one, this has been a heavy year. 
People have lost loved ones to COVID, but there has been loss that has happened throughout the season. Um, and I just, I feel like we have to talk more and more and more mm. about it to mm-hmm. normalize um, the isolation that a lot of us are feeling because we can't really cope in the ways that we may be mm. used to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's true. So thank you for being here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll go back to, I guess it would have been the fall of 2003. Okay. My dad and my uncle were both diagnosed with cancer within a month of each other. Wow. And the crazy thing is they're not the related ones. They're, yeah. the, they're the in-laws in the family. Yeah. And so they both, um, they both got cancer diagnoses at the same was time. Was it the same cancer? Mm-hmm. No. Frank's was multiple myeloma, mm-hmm. and my dad's was lymphoma. Okay. So okay. different types. Um, <clears throat> and so they both started treatment together. Our families were close. We had grown up together. And so, you know, they started, they started treatment together mm-hmm. and walked through the process. Um, and it was probably a little over a year. Um, my dad had done chemo, radiation, all the stuff, and he was um, classified in remission. Mm-hmm. My uncle continued to fight it. Um, he fought it for a long time, and it would have been in the spring of 2009 is when he died. Um, okay. And it was just a hard... It was a hard thing mm. because, you know, it was, you know, you're thankful on one side that my dad, you know, my dad yeah. had survived yeah. it, you know, that yeah. he was okay. Yes. But then, you know, being sad that my uncle hadn't, you mm. know, and so grieving and celebrating two different stories at the same time was mm. was difficult. And so... Um, and I feel like that's an important thing to know because mm. I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's mm-hmm. like somebody they know gets through it and somebody they know doesn't. And I think that there's a really complicated tension in the grieving process mm-hmm. of that. So I appreciate you acknowledging that. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's complicated. Yes. It's complicated. <laughs> Very complicated. It is. It is. And so, um, Chad, so at that point, you know, so I was high school, college through those years. And so Chad and I met in 2004, five? Mm-hmm. Summer of 04. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so he had come, you know, we were friends, and then it developed into um, the relationship. And so the whole the years went along, and so he got to know, he was around when Frank passed away. Yeah, so I got to know Frank a lot. Well, it was interesting. Possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was, I was also the junior, yeah. uh, junior yeah. high pastor, and so uh, her cousins were my mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was on multiple fronts. I was already a friend of the family dating Julie. So getting to know Frank, but I was also a pastor to their, her youngest cousin when we lost Frank. Hmm. Uh, so that was a weird dynamic to be a part of, too, to kind of already... I wasn't really family yet, but I felt like it, yeah. but also trying yeah. to help their youngest one grieve through that loss as well. Hmm. And so we, um, so we got married in 2010, mm-hmm. and then... I feel like loss is just a part of our story. <laughs> it was six months in. Six months in, yeah. My my great grandmother mm-hmm. passed away. Who was mm-hmm. you know like the matriarch or me yes. was the matriarch of the family. Yes. Yeah. I, this was a I say funny story now because it wasn't at the time. So the interesting thing about this first loss that we experienced as a married couple mm-hmm. is you know six six months into our marriage. Yeah. Um, and we knew that she wasn't doing well, and then we get the phone call at our house, and she says, hey, Mimi's passed away. And, I'm, and, and so I start kind of closing down and processing, right? And so she's packing stuff up, and I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, we're all going over to Nana's house. And I was like, what? Why, why are we going to Nana's house? And she goes, 
because that's what all, all the family's going over to Nana's house. And I just blew up. I was like, no, no. Because like for me, like my family never did that. Like my mm. family, everybody kind of goes into their own separate spaces. And grieves. Yeah, and grieves. Mm-hmm. And then somebody, matriarch or somebody, speaks up and says, hey, dinner's at my house. If you want to come, great. So we kind of gave everybody their space on their own time, and then they came. Hmm. So this was like a culture shock to me. Oh, wow. But and like it ended up in a fight. It didn't need to be because she's like, well, you don't love my family? I was like, no, I just don't know. We're going. I don't know what you're doing. And so uh, we really learned quickly and after we, you know. Uh, Newlyweds. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you barely but after, know each other. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, we had a long engagement. Yeah, we much, but, fair, but yeah, but we fair. never experienced loss yeah. to this degree. And so um, it, it took us a little bit to kind of, Simmer down, and then I said, "Look, I just don't deal with grief that way. I, hmm. I deal with it alone." I said, "I'll be fine. We can go over there, but I'm gonna be super quiet." Hmm. And so uh, that was just a an eye opening experience at first. Um, within the first six months of that marriage, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but I think that you know, in small ways, you know, I think the Lord was beginning to mm-hmm. prepare us for that kind of stuff. Yeah, because um, it would have been. We fast forward a little bit. It would have been the fall of 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost 10 years to the day that my dad was diagnosed a second time with cancer. Okay. And so this time around, um, it was lymphoma again, but a different type. I don't understand all of that stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, so um, technically they didn't say like that he had relapsed because it was a different type. So. Um, we knew this time it was much more advanced and aggressive, and so we knew going into it that it was going to be it was going to be harder. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a harder fight. Mm-hmm. And so um, he started. I mean, within days of getting the news, like they started treatment and an aggressive oh, wow. treatment okay. um, in the hospital. Um, and so we, you know, we started navigating that battle again. Um, this time being, you know. 10 years older than the last time, yes. there was a lot yeah. more realization of what was going yes. on. Yes. There's a lot more yeah. of what what ifs, you yeah. know, and letting your yeah. brain just kind of yeah. run. Um, I, I think in crisis, in times of grief, you know, at that point it was anticipatory grief, yes. you know, knowing yes. that this could be coming. Yeah. You you know you let your brain run with all the what ifs. Absolutely. Um, even though you shouldn't and you know you shouldn't, you still do it. So um, it was hard. Um, and then a few months into that, we mm-hmm. found out that we were expecting our first kid. And so, which, you know, was exciting, but then scary. You know, again, yeah. we're going back to this, how do you celebrate something in the midst of this morning. huge yeah. morning yeah. grief, like difficult time? Um, so it was our first, but it was also my mom and my dad's first grandchild. Like there were no yeah. other children. Mm-hmm. And so it then, you know, the what ifs of like, is my son going to grow up without a grandfather? Mm-hmm. You know, like it just, mm-hmm. all of the emotions would just hit. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're Plus pregnant. Plus hormones. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. When don't, you're don't pregnant. There is a factor. <laughs> yes. I can say that because yes. I was pregnant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It, I mean, so it, we were all over the place. Um, so we went, so we went through, it was, it was about a year. Um, Cade was born in that summer in June. And so um, we have the sweetest pictures of mm-hmm. my dad with him, you know, and I still, there's one on my mantle. It's just mm-hmm. Cade and it's my dad's mm-hmm. huge hands, you know, because mm-hmm. he's still tiny wrapped yeah. around him. It's one of my favorites. Um, so that was, so he was born in June. And then September, we were celebrating our fourth wedding anniversary mm-hmm. and went down to Florida. Mm-hmm. And we had been there about two days. 
we were on a patio eating dinner, um, and I got a phone call from my dad, and I answered, and it was the, yeah. we went to the doctor's office today, and he said, I have about two weeks. Mm. And so it was that, like, realization of, like, am I, have, am I really having this conversation, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel real, and so... You know, he said, you know, y'all stay down there and have fun, enjoy your vacation. I was like, what? What? seriously? Like, that's not going to happen. Like, that's we're coming home. He goes, no, I don't want you. Like, just yeah. stay down there. Have a good time. I was yeah. like, Dad, I can't. No. It's no. <laughs> like, physically we'll impossible tomorrow. at this yes. moment. Yes. He's like, we'll be home tomorrow. And he was like, well, I didn't tell you you had to come home. And I said, I know you didn't. Um, so I get off the phone and then have to relay it to him, well, which was difficult. Well, you... There was, there's a lot of emotions to be imagined. <laughs> uh, we, we're, we're literally at this decent restaurant with Cade, and we're on the patio, and you hand me the phone, and he tells me himself. Oh, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, he tells me himself. <laughs> Things you black out. <laughs> he, you know, as a good father-in-law, just encourages me and, mm-hmm. you know, and tries to keep me down there. I'm like, no, we're, we're coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt bad for the waiter because we are sobbing now. Like, we're weeping. <laughs> and Cade... It, can barely do anything. He's throwing food everywhere. So you have two parents crying. Like, they're having an emotional breakdown. He has no clue. (laughs) So I tell the waiter, I said, hey, bring us our food. And we we go on a walk. You know, we're right off the beach, so we go on the walk on the beach. And um, I remember it's just silence. I mean, it's in the middle of the night. You hear the the waves roaring in, and I'm speechless. I'm angry. I'm hurt. And um, we can't see each other. I mean, it's pitch black. I've got, I've got, I've got Cade, you know, and someone's got food. I don't even know where the food. We may have left it. I have no clue. But um, I said, "How are you doing?" And just silence. You know, I was just, it's a dumb question, but I didn't know how to start. What the else? Do you yeah, have? yeah. What do you say? Um, and she, she said something to the extent I don't know how to talk to you about it. Mm. Um, and I had a gut feeling that she was probably wrestling with the same thing I did. Is I don't know if I want. To believe in God right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I said, look, just because I'm a pseudo pastor or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't mean we can't talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I said, the reality is um, the, uh, the alternative option is either God exists or he doesn't. And I said, I don't want to know a world without him. <clears throat> and so I said, we can be angry and he's big enough to handle that. Yeah. And uh, that opened up the conversation for us to kind of just just share whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, that was, so we packed up. We were actually down there, My bless my dad. He was, <laughs> we were down there because my dad hadn't seen my son yet. And okay. so he was supposed to spend a day with us to spend time with okay. Cade. And I said, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but we've got to go back. Hmm. Um, and so we left the, the very next day mm-hmm. uh, to head back up to Memphis. And like she said, we got to do our last family pictures mm-hmm. and... Um, those pictures that we cherish forever. Hmm. Remember the, you know, when you know you only have two weeks, you know, yeah. it's like, what, what, do, you, what do you do, yeah. you know? How, what's your perspective? And so um, my two younger siblings, you know, were still in high school, and my little sister um, and brother obviously weren't married, and so, you know, we, we were calling friends that were my sister's sizes to find wedding dresses to put her in and my dad in a tux just yeah, so they could have picture. that mm-hmm. picture, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was calling people and it was figuring things out and it was talking. And so there was a lot of time spent together, but it was, you know, it was, it was kind of surreal because we were laughing and having mm-hmm. fun. It doesn't feel like, but, yeah. But grieving at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. And so it was... It was hard. He was he was incredibly strong. 
uh, I joke because even I, I think within 24 hours of him passing, God taking him with him, uh, he was literally telling Lisa to be quiet, which is something he did all the time. <laughs> he's like, Ugh. so I just like we. So it's a nice little kind of chuckle that we have. We're like, he's he's good. Yeah, he's good. And, yeah. Uh, so that was uh, we did. We had a, we had a good time. There's a ebbs and flows, and then our more recent loss is probably what's been most most fresh mm-hmm. in that situation. And that's yep. a little bit more difficult to process too. Yeah. Yep. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your more recent loss? Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> so. It would have been, so we have, Kate is our oldest and Emmeline is our youngest. And we had, um, we actually had a miscarriage in between the mm-hmm. two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really, really early, yeah. you know, I don't, I, don't think, I don't even know if we had been to the doctor yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so it was a hard thing, it was a hard thing in the moment to process mm-hmm. and go through, but it was one of those things that, you know, I grieved for a season and then was able to kind of mm-hmm. take that step forward and keep going. Mm-hmm. We got pregnant with Emmy. Um, and so we, in the midst of this pandemic last fall, we found out that we were mm-hmm. pregnant and expecting. Um, so nervous, yeah. you know, because you're in the middle of a, a pandemic, pandemic and, yeah. how, you know, how <laughs> yeah. is all this going to yeah. work? Yeah. But then also excited. And so um, I was about 15 weeks and started having some signs and complications that, you know, knew something was wrong. Um, went to the doctor by myself because, you know, multiple, couldn't he couldn't go in because of the pandemic and the rules and all of that. So, which was just nerve wracking because knowing something wasn't right and going into this office by alone. myself alone, yeah. you know, is... You know, already it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it's it, yeah. <laughs> so I go, I go in, and um, and they confirmed um, that there was no longer a heartbeat, and so um, and now this is later though. This is fifteen-ish weeks, 15 right? Weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's not to be expected. We well, had, you even had a meeting in which you said, "Y'all, maybe after this is like this is an abnormality. Like every you're you're the one percent." Yeah, kind of thing. It was. Um, I mean, we had had the ultrasounds, had the clear. You know, like you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was. It was very unexpected. Um, and because I was so far along, it, they were going to have to like check me into the hospital and do the procedure. Gotcha. Um, and so it. You know, there's again in the middle of the pandemic just the trauma yeah. of the emotional trauma that's yes. going on but then knowing that i'm going to have to go through the physical trauma yes um just sent me in a tailspin um so we were supposed to be going out of town that weekend to go celebrate my sister she graduated but didn't get to have graduation because yeah. covid so we were going to do our own thing mm-hmm. and celebrate her and um so doctor was really nice and scheduled something quickly so that we could still be able to go and celebrate mm-hmm. with family. And so she scheduled it for the next morning. And um, hopefully, like most people, I wasn't packed or ready to go for our trip. Um, we were doing family <laughs> pictures, and my daughter didn't have a dress. So, of course, that morning before I was supposed to be at the hospital, I went to Target, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's what you do. And so I was shopping and looking for a, um, a home gift for my sister because she's moving into a new place. And um, right in the middle of Target, I, you know, my body was just like, yeah. it, it started, it, miscarriage. It, yeah, yeah, the miscarriage started 
really happening. It's essentially like my water broke. Yeah. My body was starting to go into labor yes. in the middle of the store. And so there's a whole lot of ugly, gruesome, horrific details that nobody yes. really wants to hear. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I'm alone. Like, Chad was at work. Uh-huh. I was in Target by myself. And, you know, it's like, what do you do? And mm-hmm. so it's like that was the beginning of a really emotional, traumatic, and physical traumatic experience. Um, it was the rest of the day figuring out, do I go to the hospital, go to the doctor's office? They told me to go to the doctor's office. It took me a while to physically get there because yeah. of everything that was yeah. happening. Yes. Um, and so we get there. A sweet little 90-year-old nurse was in there. And she, she was, I was like, can, can my husband come in? She goes, honey, you break all the rules. You bring him in with you. <laughs> and I was like, so thankful for those people, yes. you know, that were able um, to, to see that, you know, I needed that. Yeah. And so um, my doctor, the nurses, they were all great. Um, it was, I probably should have been at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They had to convert. They essentially converted That's the ultrasound room about. into the ER room. Yeah. Like they, they went and did what they needed, needed to do at ASAP. Um, but I'm also thankful for them um, because they were definitely outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But just those people that, you know, just went the extra mile to yeah. take care of yeah. me. Because, you know, being 911, being called and being put in an ambulance to go to the hospital would only have added to the yeah. trauma that already yeah. existed. Well, yeah. And then silver lining, if there is one even at all, was the fact that if we were in an ER, I wouldn't be by you. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't have been there. Okay. You know, I would have... So the way that this played out, I'm I'm able to be there through the whole process, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where normally that wouldn't be the case. But this was, I mean, obviously, for anybody who's experienced it, this is yeah. it's just atrocious. It's it's horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next few days and weeks were were pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there'd be days where she just couldn't get out of bed, and understandably mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. And so, and here I am, going, well, what do I do? Yeah. You know, I've got two kids that they've. They're at home. They've got to be tended to. They've got to be taken care of. I've got a job that still has to happen. We've got things that are going on the weekend, and um, just I just got to make sure that the lights stay on, kind of thing. Yeah. And so I, I'm in go mode, and uh, and and I'm hurting mm-hmm. on it as well, and just trying to process like giving her time and hoping that she gets out of it sooner than later because mm-hmm. it's difficult in general. And then COVID, you know, all this other stuff just to mention. <laughs> Super isolating. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And yeah. and and she's, you know, on some level, she's wrestling with trying to get over it, but then feeling un- like um, guilty of trying to push through it when she really experienced this loss. So I remember one evening um, I sit down and, I'm, you know, I check on her, I pray for her and, and kind of do those things. And she, um, you know, I'm trying to be strong for her. And she basically asked me, like, does this even affect you? And it, it hit me because I, I never told her how much it did. You know, I had a, I'm, I'm imagining playing with my child. I'm imagining what it looks like to have this in her home. And it never came to fruition. And so I'm experiencing mm-hmm. this loss. Mm-hmm. And so I shared that with her. And it, it dawned on me that she didn't need me to be strong. She needed me to be broken with her just for a minute. Hmm. And, um, hmm. and so we did. And, and I think that was a big part of you kind of coming out of that, mm-hmm. too, is to know that... You're in that together. Yeah, we were in it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you're hurting together. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't one or the other. And I appreciate you. Number one, thank you for sharing that story because mm-hmm. this is just such an easy, casual <laughs> setting <Yeah>. to <laughs> oh, share your story. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate that because I do feel like, um, and both of you leaning into this conversation in that I, I, 
I just feel like it's such a hard conversation to have. And I think mm -hmm. when, when we were going back and forth about this, one of the things you said that just so stood out to me, which is what I hear women say so much, is this tension in um, managing loss with a miscarriage mm -hmm. because there's this weird tension with it, you know, mm -hmm. like the medical profession, like some people will say it isn't a child or mm -hmm. whatever that says, and that's complicated because mm -hmm. you're like, this is, this was that for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's this tension in how do you grieve this loss yeah. um, and what does that look like? And I think, and even with you talking about like, how do I be strong for mm -hmm. my wife? And then you being like, I kind of need you to be broken too. Like mm -hmm. I need you to just kind of like lose your mind over this like I'm losing my mind <laughs> yes, over it. Yeah. Make me feel a little sane. Mm -hmm. But I, I appreciate you guys really leaning into that because I think a lot of people need to hear that. Mm -hmm. Well I think I think the reason why it's easier for us that we've talked about it too is just we need to validate the loss. Yeah. You know there's absolutely half the world out there has a different opinion on what that looks like. Yeah. But for us uh, there was uh, a life that didn't come to fruition. Yes. And, yes. And, and we're grieving that. Yes, absolutely. So, um, again, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, I would love for kind of like leaning into like what kind of helps you guys get like, I don't, I don't even want to say, I was about to say get through. <laughs> you don't get through loss. Right. Like you don't get through loss. Like mm -hmm. we're tearing up here talking about your dad that mm -hmm. was years ago. You mm -hmm. don't get through it. Mm -hmm. um, in a sense, what I love about your story is that you are kind of merging these seasons of like joy and sorrow, mm -hmm. which is life, right? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we want it so siloed. We want to have just the loss and then we want to have just the celebration, mm -hmm. but it's so meshed. Like mm -hmm. you're having the birth of your first child while you're also kind of navigating this loss with your dad. And mm -hmm. like each of these seasons kind of brings through these, these mix of emotions. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about just kind of advice or encouragement for those other people that are going through these seasons, because that's a lot of complicated emotions, mm -hmm. right, and mm -hmm. how we navigate that. I would love for you to lean into any wisdom, advice, encouragement, yeah. what, whatever you would want to say. I mean, the biggest thing, the first thing is, is obviously early on with losing her great-grandmother, like we, are, we learned early on that we grieve differently. I love that, yeah. You know, and so I think yeah. sometimes we anticipate people to grieve the same way we grieve. And so giving people space to grieve the way that they grieve. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that takes an incredible amount of um, patience, mm -hmm. right? Because like for me, as the dad, I'm like, I, I, need, I need my wife back. I need, you know, yeah. but at the same time, like I know, I, I will never know what she experienced physically and emotionally yeah. in that loss. Yeah. Um, and so I, I need to process that yeah. as well for her yeah. and give her that space. And so that's what I told her. I said, you take your time. Mm -hmm. Like there's no need to rush mm -hmm. through this. Um, and so time and space, I think, is what you had kind of mentioned mm -hmm. as well. And communication, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be clear with each other. Like, yes. I think that's another piece, too, is, yeah. like, even you owning the fact to him, like, I need you to, to be broken a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't need you to be strong for me right now. I kind of need to see what's really going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to communicate with that, I think, makes a, is a huge piece in it because we can't make these assumptions, like, well, they're just grieving a different way yeah. when you kind of need to lean into that a little bit as yeah. well. I'd say the other thing is, is definitely we're all going to grieve differently, but also acknowledging the fact that every loss is going to be different. How yes. I, just because I have grieved my dad, multiple other family members along the way, how I grieved the loss of a child, you know, and this wasn't even a child that I knew. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when it's somebody mm -hmm. that you've known and had some mm -hmm. relationship and memories with, you know, like your grief is different because you're reflecting on memories. When it's 
somebody you don't know, mm-hmm. like you're just grieving a whole but a bunch of like what mm-hmm. ifs, you know? And so it's a completely different type of grief, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the reasons our culture doesn't acknowledge or talk about it much. Yes. It's because how do you talk about something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's kind of this taboo subject. And so it's, I think it's just important to know that you're going to grieve every situation differently. Um, each person's going to grieve them differently, you know, and that like, I'm, I mean, I'm a mental health professional, <laughs> you know, I should know how to do all of this stuff. And yeah. yet I'm in the midst of it saying, I need validation from other people that I'm yeah. not, I'm not crazy and what I'm feeling is okay. Yeah. And I know that it's okay, yeah. but yeah. I just need somebody else to tell me that too. Yeah. That's good. I like mm-hmm. validate the grief in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Yeah. And I think that is, that's a really interesting point too, about how different each Losses, because mm-hmm. I feel like we all like there can be a loss of a person or a loss of a person you don't know or didn't mm-hmm. know, but you, we can talk about loss of like job change, loss, mm-hmm. career change, loss, mm-hmm. loss of a dream, loss of a what? I mean, there's lots of different losses yeah. mm-hmm. on different levels that we can we can talk through. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what propelled you through that? What helped you guys kind of through this? And then what were some pieces that maybe hindered you a little bit? I would definitely say the things that helped, and on both, you know for me in both situations of, you know, our grief journey is having something to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, our family dynamics changed drastically when my dad passed away. Um, you know, I was the oldest of four and it affected each child differently. Um, obviously my mom grieving, mm-hmm. you know, the loss of her husband. And so our family dynamics changed and it would have been easy for me to sit there and wallow and probably not come out of it for yeah. months. Um, but I had a four-month-old, you know, and I, you know, he had to eat. <laughs> you know, I had to change him. He, like, yeah, he's not probably, probably a lot of attention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it, I think for me what really, you know, I still grieved. You know, I remember sitting, rocking him at night, you know, just bawling. Mm-hmm. But I think it was having something to focus on, having something, um, finding that one thing in your life that provides meaning yeah. and just really leaning into it. Because um, mm-hmm. that grief, those feelings can overtake you. Yeah. And so I think really it helped me to find that that thing specifically that was meaningful um, and that propelled me that, forward yeah. in the process. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, for the last loss, you know, stereotypically, it's easy. Guys go into work mode, right? Yeah. Like we just shut down and we do A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, and you keep repeating it. Um, you know, so being able to focus on the kids and kind of get into that compartmentalization thing was yeah. what did help. Yeah. Um, but ultimately for me, it's realizing I needed to do it with her, hmm. right? Like I, I, I didn't need to grieve by myself. Like yeah. just with her dad and even with her great-grandmother, you know, I— I know I need to grieve, but I need to recognize when it's time for me to grieve with my wife mm-hmm. um, so that we can do this together, yeah. you know? And so, but it's also, th- that's not a cookie cutter sit- situation, right? Yeah. You yeah. and Tommy may do that differently. Yeah. Yeah. But for us, yeah. I-, I needed to grieve with her to know that we were not insane, mm-hmm. that we're going to get through this, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and uh, so that's really what helped me. When I see her healing uh, in the process, I, I get to reflect that in my own life, mm-hmm. and that motivates me. Mm-hmm. And, and so, okay, we're going to see some light at the end of the mm-hmm. tunnel. Mm-hmm. So doing it together as mm-hmm. well. What were, what were some things that kind of tripped you up? And I say that to say mainly because I'm a goal-oriented type person, right? <laughs> so, but, like, you can think through, like, okay, what are some things that you can tell people in advance, like, watch out for this? This, yeah. this kind of tripped us up. Yeah. 
Um, I think grief in general, there is a just cultural stereotype of, you know, yes. get over it and move on. Yes. Um, and it's, grief is, you never get over grief. Yep. You know, you learn how to deal with it. That's mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. And so some people are better at dealing with their grief and integrating the grief and loss into their life, yes. you know? And so, you know, before this last loss, I would have said I was getting really good at grief. You know, like I could go through it <laughs> yeah. and grieve it, uh-huh. but then I figured out how to weave that loss into my life and still move forward without being down for yeah. a long time. Um, this last one hit me a little bit differently, but yeah. I think it was because it was a completely different type of yeah. loss. But this stereotype of um, be strong and just get over it. Yes. Um, I think there's also a large stereotype of don't talk about it. Yes. And mm. that is, you know, it's just or not people it. being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's a weird way, too, to navigate, you know, how are you? You know, that awkward question <laughs> yeah. in the awkward way. way. Yeah. And, I mean, I think there's, a, there's pieces of that that are kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, you know, how are you? Most people know that the answer, they already know the answer when they ask the question. So you <laughs> feel right. bad asking yeah. the question yeah. because it's like, how else do you start this conversation of checking in on somebody? But you want to, you yeah. know? And so I think, I think it is important to check on people, even if it feels awkward, yes. because most people, they need to talk. What yes. is, they might not want to, but they need to. Yeah. Um, with the miscarriage, I... You know, I don't mind talking about it. You know, I didn't put it out on social media because there was the fear of all of these people would have their own opinions. And I was scared of how that would internally affect me. And so, but if anybody asked or I talked to people, like I'm more than willing to Mm -hmm. share. And in that process of sharing that story, you know, like I was able to start laughing at the Target piece Mm -hmm. and the poor stock girl that I probably traumatized for the rest of her life. (laughs) She quit that thing. (laughs) You know, but the more that I was able to tell that story, there are pieces of it that I could laugh at. You know, there's pieces of it that I didn't cry every time that I Mm -hmm. opened my mouth, you Mm -hmm. know, because it just started to become part of my story. But if it's not a story that you're willing to tell, then you're not there yet. You're not there yet, you know? And so it's just, you have to start telling that story out loud to somebody um, to move forward. But I think so much of us inherently just wants to keep it to ourselves, Mm -hmm. like doesn't want to share. You have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And most people, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. They don't want to. Yeah. And so... I appreciate that because I appreciate there's almost two arms of that advice, right? So you have the advice for somebody going through something, some sort of loss, Mm -hmm. um, and telling them you don't have to talk about it, but talking about it may help the process, Mm -hmm. just kind of when you're ready, kind of knowing. But then also for people who know somebody who's experienced a loss, Mm -hmm. the advice in a sense is ask, Mm -hmm. own it, you know, Mm -hmm. like don't, don't be... Hey, (laughs) you know, but like, Mm -hmm. hey, how are you doing? How are you holding up? This is a hard month. This is a da da da. Whatever it is, like, Mm -hmm. I think that's. I I appreciate those arms Mm -hmm. of advice because Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows somebody, and then everybody has been, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think you kind of are really leaning into that, and I I appreciate that. Well, a funny example is which I didn't realize it, but to validate what you're saying, I'm sitting out in front of preschool and I'm directing parents to which to go, and Daniel had found out about her loss. Mm And uh, he just said, he just, he goes, hey, I was with so-and-so the other day, I heard, he goes, I'm sorry. And uh, 
I just, I didn't realize I was carrying it, but I just, right in the middle of the parking lot, just started crying. I don't, Daniel, poor Daniel is just like open eyes and guys, so he's just like, uh, and then he just gives me a hug. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, here's two dudes that we can't, well, we can't, we don't, we don't know that experience. Yeah. And, and in, in, in a sense, it's almost a vicarious loss. It's not like our loss, but the reality is it was our loss. Yeah. And so it was just good to have validation from another guy. Yeah. Say, this sucks. Yeah. And uh, and so that was to hear what you're saying, like just to know that I'm okay. To, I can I can I can be upset about this. Yeah. It's all right yeah. to share that. And yeah. so that was that was yeah. healing as well. Yeah. Okay. So final thoughts for people. I mean, as people are kind of navigating. I mean, we're we're navigating. It's still weird, mm-hmm. right? Like it's still a weird year. We're still mm-hmm. doing. I mean, we're sitting closer together now because we can. <laughs> but it's it's still weird. Mm-hmm. There's still school stuff is still on, and we're still mm-hmm. navigating some of that. But then also this loss piece of it. I mean, any just kind of final thoughts, reminders, things you want to leave people with. Um, as we're we're kind of wrapping up our conversation. Yeah, and I kind of said it earlier, but I'll reiterate it. You know, do this life together. Like mm. whether you're, whether you're married or you have a community or something. Like I think we can all admit, coming out of COVID, that we need community. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it it does something to our souls that God intentionally created in it. I have the saying that I say with Julie um, that. Uh, and it sounds mushy on the front end, and it's not. You'll see what I'm getting. But as I, I always tell her, no matter how tough get things get, especially whether we're grieving or there's financial fears or whatever, I said, look, if I've always got you by my side, we're going to be okay. And I just need to know. So it's not like, oh, sweetheart, yeah, I got you. It, it was, I need to know I have someone that's that's got my back, that's cheering for me yeah. to not give up. Mm-hmm. And if she's doing that, then I will do the same for her. Like, to have, to know that you've got somebody, um, gives you hope to go through the darkness, you mm-hmm. know? And so w- people ask, how do you get through it? Like, I, you know, it's not like, oh, we have such a great marriage because we have rocky times and <laughs> tough times. But it's at the end of the day, no matter how much we're irritating each other, we're still rooting each other on. And I think that's something that you can have in a community that we can't put a price tag on. Yeah. So just um, find that community and have that person that's cheering you on yeah. through the darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say, you know, looking... Yeah, just talking about all of this and, you know, reliving (laughs) these stories and all of these things. It's looking back and really seeing how how the Lord has prepared me for different seasons in life. Um, What's the phrase you always tell me? Well, so some of you guys, I know she's sweet and beautiful and everything like this, but she's the pessimist, pessimist in, in, in our family. Yeah. And so, I, this is the exact dynamic yeah, of Tommy. And so I'm the optimist, uh, <laughs> if you will. I don't know why. Uh, but I say, um, and this is more for myself, but just everything that God has worked in my life, I say, look, God has never failed me yet out of all that I've been through, and he's not going to fail me now. So I can trust that he's going to be there and he's going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so when I reflect, you know, when I get, when my pessimist side comes out yeah. and I start getting upset or frustrated, yes. you know, like this little voice <laughs> starts chirping in my head. And it's that kind of thought of when I was reflecting and looking at all of this, you know, like all of the grief that we've dealt with, you know, the the losses that were smaller, yeah. not that they weren't insignificant, but they began to prepare me for the bigger losses mm-hmm. that I experienced and that were more traumatic times in my life. Um, being comfortable around medical situations and death. I got a job in hospice yeah. for a year and a half. Yeah. That So when you know my dad was in hospice, when we were experiencing medical stuff, like that, I wasn't nervous about any of the medical things, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, 
there's different things along the way hmm. that I can clearly see, like, I couldn't have set up or ordained in any way, shape, or form. And so it's just knowing that, like, going through life, I can see, I can see his guidance. Mm. Um, I'm sure I still question it, and I, like, <laughs> wonder why and don't always have that faith. Yeah. But when I really sit down and look at it, like, I know, I know he's taking care of me. And so there's, in these hard times, you know, being able to look back um, and see that. And that's good. And I feel like you guys have been, and I appreciate you sharing your story because I feel like you guys really have been just like a beacon of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's powerful to say, like you really mm-hmm. are an example to me as just to how to kind of walk through these different seasons. I, and I know lots of people hate tension, right? Mm-hmm. We hate the tension, but like tension exists in life. We have to hold in one hand sorrow. We have to hold in one hand celebration. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have this, and I feel like you guys have just done such a beautiful job of walking through those different seasons and really being a beacon of hope. So I, I really do appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for saying yes, <laughs> Julie. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Not so bad. Not so bad. Not so bad. Yeah. But I really do, I do appreciate you guys. This has been such a fruitful conversation. I know mm-hmm. it's going to bless a lot of people. Thanks. Hope so. So thank you so much. Thank you. And that is a wrap for our Green Chair Conversation with Chad and Julie Johnson. Thank you so much for being connected with us today. We'd love for you to take a moment and encourage someone by sharing this conversation with a friend. You can also watch any previous conversations on our YouTube channel or at hopechurchmemphis.com GCC or listen wherever you stream your podcasts. We love you guys, and I'll see you next week.